Welcome to the People Analytics and Future Work Podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, this is Al Adamson, founder and executive director of the Talent Strategy Institute. And I'm here today with Simon Kalkane of Huzu. Simon, you there? Hey, Al, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for joining me today. Excited to have you uh, talk about Huzu. And if you would, introduce yourself to our audience. And because, uh, yeah, again, we met in Philadelphia and you had great energy there. And yeah, I'm sure everyone's going to be excited about what you have to share today. Super. Yeah. So my name is uh, Simon Cocaine. As you said, I'm the founder of Huzu. Huzu is a startup in the CA Accelerator, which is an internal incubator here at CA Technologies. I've worked for CA for about 17 years. I've been a developer. I fell in love with Agile about 10 years ago. I've been a scrum master, product owner, product manager. And uh, two or three years ago, I fell in love with Lean Startup. And I'm excited to explore where Huzu can, uh, can help bring the right human beings together at the right time and see if we can uh, engineer serendipity. So that's me. So, Simon, again, as I alluded to at the outset, you have a certain energy that is contagious, and it's not only about the energy. You just see the possibility of new processes, new technologies, new data in bringing people together. So can you explain you know, what attracted you to start Huzu and what the core value proposition is? Sure, sure. So uh, like I said, I've worked for uh, CA for many years. It's a large company, about uh, 40 years old, and I've done various different jobs and roles um, in that time. And what I noticed from time to time is that people would reach out to me and they would say, hey, Simon, can you help me with product X or can you help me with process Y? And in my outside voice, I would be saying polite and helpfully, um, you know, I don't work in that area anymore. Um, but uh, these are the people that I, that I think work in that area and maybe can connect with them. Um, in my inside voice, I'm thinking, uh, dude, why are you asking me? Why do you think that I'm the right person to help with that particular question? And it made me wonder, maybe I'm not the only person uh, who's hard to find or people aren't sure what I'm doing. And maybe it's not just in CA technologies. And sure enough, through uh, research over time, when you get to any kind of reasonably sized organization, maybe over about 150, it's really hard to keep track. It's impossible to keep track of who does what, what are their strengths and responsibilities, what do they love to do, what do they not love to do, um, what are they emotionally available to do, what do they have the capacity to help with, and who do they really collaborate with. Um, and, and, and the tools and uh, uh, the ways that people try and solve that problem today, we can talk about that later, don't really cut the mustard. Um, so I thought maybe it's 20, 2016, probably at the time. Um, maybe there's a different way. So the premise of Huzu is a, a self-learning map for the human beings and you have a changing organization. Maybe in the digital footprint that people are creating every day, maybe there's a story that Huzu can help tell to help bring the right human beings together at the right time. So that was, that was the, uh, the origin of it. Well, I love it and couldn't agree more that the need uh, not only has existed for quite some time, but continues to exist. So explain what, what a self-learning map is all about. What is that? So <clears throat> I think maybe uh, uh, start off by saying uh, what it isn't. You know, uh, what are the ways that we try and find other people? You uh, stand up in your cube, you ask the person next to you, maybe you shout a couple of rows down. 
Um, you ask around. Um, you ask that super node, you know, that person in your organization who's been there for ages and knows everyone or knows most people, right, if they're in that day. Um, or we blast email and we ask 10, 50, 100 people in our company, hey, 100 of my colleagues, everybody stop what you're doing and all do the same piece of work and tell me who's the right person who can help me be successful with, you know, <laughs> this particular task in front of me. Right. Um, or, uh, or skills databases, right? On the face of it, skills database sounds like a wonderful idea. If only everybody in the company constantly kept up to date what they're good at, what they're becoming rusty at and so on, what they're keen to learn and what they're not interested in, keep that up to date all the time. When anybody needs any help, they go to the skills database, type in the details, crank the handle and out comes the person they need. The problem is, of course, as the vast majority of people that I've spoken to, hundreds over the past year or so, people don't keep skills databases up to date. So then people can't rely on them to get information out. And if people aren't using them to get information out, nobody bothers keeping them up to date. Um, so those methods are broken. So what can we do instead? Um, and indeed, when I think about um, maybe not all domains, not, not, not all walks of life and all professions and careers, but if you think about knowledge workers, so that could be in, in technology and in healthcare and finance, um, where we're working increasingly with, uh, with digital tools and the way that we communicate, the way that we uh, store and process our activity and organize things, whether it's emails, instant messages, documents we create, social messages, internal social stuff, external social stuff, the, the, the ticket databases and the issue databases we, we update and look at, the project tracking tools. Think about all that information within that sea of data and our insights uh, about people. Now, you could sit down, and if you had enough time, probably in eternity, and the will and the enthusiasm and the skill, you could probably fall through all that. But we don't have an eternity. People need someone now, and they don't have maybe uh, themselves access to all the data, and they maybe don't have themselves the data science skills to process it. So what if another solution, and what if Huzu could say to people, you give me permission, to look at the data that you think is relevant, so whatever data accounts you've got that you can give Huzu permission to, and Huzu will go and analyze that and learn by itself, learn by itself the strengths of people, uh, what they love to do, what they don't love to do, their responsibilities, and who they really collaborate with. The kind of real collaboration that you cannot see in an org chart. Um, and if with the permission of those users, sharing what Huzu has found, and we use chatbot technology so that other people in the organization can interrogate it, um, you know, down the line across the, you know, an array of different, uh, you know, um, criteria. And in a natural language way, explain the problem, explain who they're looking for and, and get an answer. So that's, that's what we think of self-learning matters. Yeah, I'm super intrigued. And yeah, particularly from a... Uh, an employee or, or just worker perspective. You know, I want to be recognized for what I'm doing. And to your point, I don't want to have to put a lot of extra effort in marketing myself internally. So if I hear you correctly, if I am focused on the activities that I want to do, then by turning, making my data available, I can then be found for opportunities that would relate to you know, what I'm doing or what I'm interested in doing? Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I'll be uh, super clear about is, you know, um, uh, I think we have a cracking vision of what Huzu is going to be down the line. 
Um, right now, the product can learn from a couple of data sources, um, Office 365 um, and LinkedIn. We have more connectors coming along the way. So I don't want to mislead anybody that we've fulfilled the vision today, but we're on the journey. Um, but yeah, absolutely. If you, uh, anyone can go to Huzu uh, today, W-H-O-Z-O-O.io. They can sign up for an account and they can connect their data sources and Huzu will immediately start learning about them. It'll build up a profile for that person. But critically importantly, I think, is the, is the privacy and the trust of the individual. So there's two key things here, Al, which is data science is uh, not without its flaws. Data science is not perfect. It makes mistakes. So before we start going off and, and sharing what we believe is a strength um, or down the line of responsibility or love you have for something or collaboration, before we go and share that right now today, we're, we're really putting the power um, uh, squarely uh, in the hands of the user to say, do you want to share what we've learned? And they might want to share it in service of, of people being able to find them because of that strength. Or they might say, you know what, that's not accurate. I don't feel that's accurate, I'm not going to share it. Or maybe it is accurate, but for their personal privacy perspective, maybe they don't want to share it. And a class, an example of that is um, uh, down the line, maybe Huzu can uh, um, identify a relationship that you and I have, Al. Maybe you're mentoring me on public speaking, right? Huzu might determine that based on the, the email conversations we have or by the meetings that we have and the, you know, the, the title and the content of that meeting. Um, and maybe I want to share that in service of if other people in the organization need some help with their um, you know, public uh, speaking mentoring, they would know that uh, you have helped me with that and you might be a good person to ask. But conversely, maybe that's a private thing. Maybe it's a private relationship and you might agree that we don't want to share that. So in which case, I would have the choice to not share with others. Um, but whatever I choose to share, anybody who can access the Huzu chatbot, right now it's uh, deployed on Slack, and we plan to deploy the chatbot on uh, other platforms down the line. When they pop, uh, pop in, you know, um, uh, who can help me with public speaking, who can mentor me in public speaking, if the information has been shared, you would pop up in that list. Makes sense. It, it, it makes perfect sense. And you know, one of the things that you've heard me uh, speak on and that we've discussed is it, the value proposition needs to be for workers themselves if these workers are going to generate good data. Uh, no longer is it the case where a worker, whether it be an employee, contractor, uh, or even a, a, a candidate, is going to deliver data that is, isn't going to benefit them. Yes, there's some compliance stuff that has to be done and, and certain processes that need to be adhered to. But in terms of skill development and, and process and so forth, it largely, if da good data is going to result, going to come out of people, then they have to have something come back. So what I'm hearing is that you are developing a value proposition for employees. So the propensity for them to generate good data, in other words, share good insight about themselves, is higher than it would otherwise be. Is that a fair statement? I think so. I, I think that um, Huzu is not a tool for the, the CEO to look down on their organization and say, you know, what is going on? That's, that's not where Huzu came from at all. Back to the original point, it's about someone in an organization who, you know, in, in, increasingly people are being asked to do harder and harder, more and more difficult things. And, and as knowledge workers, people with, um, people who, who want to, you know, get out of bed and get to work and do challenging, rewarding work, we ask increasingly difficult things of ourselves. 
right? But more often than not these days, you can't achieve that end, that goal by yourself. So you've got to collaborate with other people. And increasingly, in an organization where you've got people coming and going and, and, and mission changes and reorganizations and, uh, and, and the market changing around, you just don't know who those people are. And who zoo fundamentally, fundamentally is a tool to bring the right human beings together. So when you've got a human being with a, a, a really thorny problem uh, facing them, maybe there's a, a, some kind of time pressure uh, around it. Um, we want to find, find the fastest way, and the least disruptive way, by the way, to, for them to get the answer and connect them with that right human being so they can do wonderful work together. You know, when, when you have human beings achieving together what they couldn't achieve by themselves, that's, that's a magical thing, right? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that I believe that employees will see that. I mean, our, our data tells us that, you know, everyone, people almost laugh when I'm, when I'm talking about, hey, do you experience the problem where it's hard to find the person? People laugh because they know that's table stakes in a modern organization, right? Yeah. Um, when I talk about the vision of Huzu, they're really excited. And people see that it's a tool that can help them, right? Help yeah. them be successful in their work. So, absolutely. So, with that in mind, you can respond within the context of Huzu or just your general thoughts on the future of work. And it, when I say future, I put in quotes because it's really happening now. And, and what I'm getting at <laughs> it, it, right. it, it is, is the gig economy and liquid workforce. So you know, we haven't identified specifically, you know, are we talking about just employees within a given organization? Are we talking about maybe some employees and finding a, a potential contractor or, or partner, um, you know, within the organization who you know, might not be to your point within their, their group or their building or, or what have you, how does that, how does who's who and just what your general thinking is on liquid workforce, gig economy and how, you know, we can be better at finding the right people at the right time and bringing them to our teams so we can do great things together. Right. Yeah. So I think that, I think it's really two parts. I mean, the, the, the you know, one of the taglines for who's who now the way you describe it is, a self-learning map for human beings in your ever-changing organization. So right now, today, it's absolutely within the walls of, you know, CA Technologies uh, or, or um, you know, uh, Corporation X or Corporation Y. But the reason that we did that was really just to, you know, we're, we're driven by Lean Startup and, and the work of uh, Eric Reese and uh, Ash Moria, uh, this kind of build, measure, learn cycle. What's the smallest thing we can build? Um, in order to measure what we want to measure so we can learn what we want to learn on the road to a successful business, right? And it was really um, the reason that we chose to look within a single organization was, was mainly for simplicity. Um, you know, we are really pushing, um, not crossing, of course, but really pushing against uh, uh, the, cons the legal constraints, uh, and technological constraints, and also privacy constraints um, in terms of not necessarily there's a legal part of that, but also desirability, you know, what is desirable for people and pushing against all of that. And um, one thing to make it easy was let's just imagine, let's just look within the confines of an organization. Let's understand the, uh, the, the laws and the privacy piece and the technology around that and the desirability on that piece. And I think once we've, uh, um, you know, clearly shown that we can get that working, then I can think we can look beyond because. I think more deeply who's who is about the right human being at the right time. And, and, and blatantly, the right human being isn't always someone who works in your organization. Um, 
And that, you know, there's, there's tons of reasons for that. If uh, any organization can become an echo chamber for a start, right? Um, you have, uh, uh, you know, one of the beautiful things about human beings is that we all do think so differently. We have different perspectives. We've, we've worked in different domains. We've grown up in different cultures. Um, we speak different languages. We try different practices. We're driven by different principles and so on. So um, absolutely, sometimes that right human being is going to be outside of your organization. Um, and I would love to see who's who evolved to, uh, to be able to cater to that as well. Because, uh, you know, to, to circle back to uh, the point about the gig economy, um, you know, we're human beings on the planet for a, a short period of time, right? And I'm a big believer. I think I really grounded Al in uh, human beings and happiness. Mm -hmm. So we should try and maximize, I think, the amount of, of happiness that people have while they're, while they're doing their, their thing, right? Um, and if you've got human beings who, who've got potential, who've got capacity and emotional willingness to help, uh, and you've got other human beings uh, uh, who've got a problem and need help, then if we can bring those, those two people together, those groups of people together, I think that's an amazing thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I get excited you know, listening to you because I see a future where these people not only can be found, but to your point, we can assess their capacity. In other words, are they going to have time to actually help out? And to your point, too, do they have the willingness to help out in this certain area? So as we evolve as organizations, do you see us becoming a Kind of more skill centric and embedded with what you're saying. Are you also looking at certain behaviors? Uh, and if so, you know, what is, um, what do you pay attention to? What, at the, I guess the more general question is what data are you looking at? Right. Yeah. As soon as, soon as you started to say that skill centric, I almost feel like we want to be more collaboration centric. Mm. Um, Yep. You know, what, uh, so that, so that well, I'll postpone the, the, uh, the response on that, what data we're going to look at. But I think, um, you know, a, a classic example is, um, you know, you might have someone who's got, um, if, if you need help with some, uh, uh, some, some budgeting questions or some budgeting scenarios, you know, you might have a responsibility um, for doing budgeting, but you might not be very good at it, right? Um, so you need help from someone else. There might be someone else in the organization who is, uh, also has a responsibility for budgeting, but is also not very good at it. Well, that's not the right human being, right? You might have someone who is uh, really good at budgeting, but is like super busy. If that person's weighed down by three projects that are overrunning, who's uh, you know, taking a long time to respond to email, who's uh, skipping on lunch, getting home late to, to, to her family or his family, you know, maybe that's not the person to, to, uh, to put another question on, right? So it's really not just about skill and strength. It's about, do I have the capacity to help now? Because it's different when you ask the question. Maybe in December, this person has time to help. Maybe in January, they don't. But it's also the emotional willingness as well. And I think that I, I haven't seen that in, in any tooling. I haven't seen that in any solutions before. So someone can have the strength you know, the ability to help, if you like. Someone can have the capacity in terms of time, but if they're not willing to help, um, you know, take an example like a, um, some coding language. If someone's got a coding language and they're just done with that, they're bored of it, they don't, they're not interested in, in using that anymore, then they're not going to be the right passionate person to help somebody else with that problem, I think. So I think it's a variety of things. So when you talk about the data, um, 
again, it's about uh, what can we learn from. And I think that, you know, right now today in these early stages of Huzu, um, uh, a lot of our focus is on um, unstructured text that might appear in someone's social profile or might appear in an email that they sent. Um, but we look at that unstructured text and right now we're, we're mainly focused on topic extraction. I think one of the, uh, the next uh, pieces that we want to start to look at is the, the sentiment analysis. So you talk about people analytics a lot, obviously, Al, um, and you love it, right? And it would be very important, very useful, very helpful for who's you to distinguish between um, Al Adamson, who loves people analytics and is really excited about it, compared to somebody else who talks about a people analytics, for example, a lot, but doesn't like that topic for some reason. So I think that the sentiment analysis, I think that's going to be a, a really important piece as well. Thank you for that distinction because it really hits home. And one of the things that popped to mind as you were sharing right there is this notion of, uh, I want to say privacy, uh, and even it's beyond ethics. Is you mentioned you spoke, you've spoken with uh, literally hundreds of people about uh, what you're envisioning, and I imagine within those discussions, you're assessing their propensity to share information to engage in the product that you're developing. And so this idea that, uh, say, millennials or you know, people who are, have entered the workforce over the past you know, five to 10 years, are you seeing that they have a different uh, a propensity to share and engage in these types of technologies versus those who have uh, been around longer and, and maybe have been more uh, risk averse to sharing information? I know it's a, a bit of a leading question, uh, but I'm just very interested because you know, as we evolve, you know, data is not going to be less, it's going to be more. Uh, so you know, there's going to be a pull to leverage these types of tools. So I'm just wondering what your learnings have been in that regard. Yeah, it's an, interest, it's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> as you say, a little bit leading. Um, but but I, might, I might push back a little bit. Um, not because I, 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 I disagree with it. I think that um, logically, I think common sense, it makes sense. It seems like millennials are more willing to, uh, um, to be open, to have their, uh, you know, their profiles on uh, Facebook or communicate on WhatsApp and, and, and Snapchat and things like that, right? Um, but my, the, the data that we've been looking at, um, our personas, are, 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 uh, we have a variety of personas that we've explored over the past year or so. Um, it tends to be focused on um, uh, some factors around the company, right? Some factors around the person's role, right? But we really don't look at age out. So right now we haven't, we haven't done research on the millennial piece. So I couldn't tell you if I looked at our, um, uh, you know, our Huzu community, um, what the split is on age right now. I wonder if that's a little bit because at CA Technologies, we spend a lot of time um, talking about inclusion and diversity. And age is just one of the things that's not on my radar. You know, we're looking for people in HR, we're looking for people in this job role and, and not being concerned so far about, um, you know, what someone's age is. Having said that, I did speak to um, uh, a CA colleague a while ago um, we were doing some, um, uh, you know, reviews of our uh, technical stack and our, our security stack and so on, and also talking about these pieces around privacy. Um, and I was speaking to this chap who's probably at similar age to me, middle age, and my, my 
my gut instinct, Al, was that this would be the kind of person who might be a bit risk averse, who might not want to share his data. And I was really surprised in the conversation. And this is why it's beautiful to speak to users and ask the questions rather than, you know, relying on our assumptions, you know, back in the lab, back in the office. And I said, you know, so would you connect your data source? And the first words out of his mouth, Al, was, I'm an Alexa guy, right? Which totally changed the conversation. Here's someone <laughs> using this, this technology uh, in his personal life, seeing the value of it, um, and then making that natural jump to, here's another piece of technology. It's doing something new. It's doing something different. I'm curious about it, but I'm not scared of it. Right? I can make a rational way of decision about it. And I think we're seeing more and more of that, that um, people are more and more willing to uh, um, connect their data sources. Um, but they're only willing to do it if they, um, certainly if they've got the ability to do it in whatever their context is. In heavily regulated industries, um, you know, individuals can't just go out and connect to the SaaS application, connect to their, their corporate data accounts. But there's, a, um, you know, if the organization can get their, the, the, that technical stack blessed, then they can do pilots and so on, or they can use the product. Um, or uh, there are some individuals who work in a company where that context is okay. They have the permission to, to, to make that choice. But, but regardless of the context, people are only going to try something out, I believe, in the, in, when it comes to data and privacy out, when they are super clear, what are you going to be doing with my data? How is it going to be safe? How is it going to be secure? And what value are you going to give to me in return for this trade? I think that's the really the fundamental question. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and the work that we've done uh, has shown effectively the same thing is that we have rarely seen, I want to say never, but rarely seen uh, a disparity in age. And again, I'm, there's caveats that I'll spare everybody right now. But uh, if, to your point, if there's clarity on how the data is going to be used and not used, uh, then the propensity to share is is much higher and there's been little to no uh, variability uh, among aged uh, Groups. So, yeah, I wanted right. to, you know, be clear that I wasn't trying to go into uh, a certain uh, kind of cliche type mentality. Qu quite the contrary. I believe there's huge opportunity. And it begs the question then for me with, with Huzu is can this be done at a job family level, at a, a group or team level, or does it have to be done at the enterprise level? I mean, what? What level does uh, is a good place to start? Ah, oh, great question. Um, so, one of the things we we decided earlier on is uh, um, I, I didn't want to build a piece of enterprise software that um, you know some salesman from 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 Huzu would go out to uh, you know Corporation X and speak to their head of whatever and, and shake hands and do a deal and have Huzu kind of forced down on that other organization. Um, I've, I've been in that situation in the past. I think lots of us can um, uh, can empathize with a situation where we've been said, this is the new enterprise software for whatever it is, an expense system or a travel thing or whatever it is, and you're forced to use it. And you, you know those systems, Al, you grumble at them, <laughs> frown at them and, uh, and we don't like that right right and i think increasingly um this uh, this business to individual model or b to i is a wonderful model because it says don't use this software because you have to don't use this software because you're being forced to use it because it looks ace 
right? Use it because you've got a problem that you believe that this, 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 uh, this solution can solve, right? Or use it because you're excited and you're an early adopter and you're excited about the vision and, and it might not solve all your problems now, but you want to you know, get your fingerprint on it, you want to help shape the product in the future um, and get involved in that. So that's why we've done this kind of business to individual model. Um, and what we hope is, is that if you can get an individual inside Corporation X of 10,000 people, and if they love Huzoo and they can get started with it and they can get value from it, um, then they'll tell other people. And they'll tell other people, not because they're being forced to, right? Not because they're being incentivized to or measured on it. Like my, my, in my head, my dream is that, you know, Sally sat down using Huzu at Corporation X uh, and she's shouting over her shoulder, hey, Toby, you've got to come and look at this. It's awesome, right? And that's how Toby gets wired in with Huzu. So um, we're exploring that business to individual model. And I think that we've seen all kinds of roles all kinds of departments, all kinds of companies where people feel that pain. Um, absolutely, we've, uh, we've uh, run into situations where people in heavily regulated, um, uh, you know, t- I've touched on before, but to repeat like finance and healthcare, this B2I model um, where someone can just swipe the credit card and get going, that's not going to work in those scenarios. Um, so as we move forward, uh, two or three of the things we're doing, Al, is um, looking at smaller companies where B2I might work um, and also uh, um, continuing to have conversations with folks in um, large enterprises and figuring out what does that pilot look like? You know, do we start off with your HR department? Um, do we start off with uh, you know, uh, this team of developers and engineering? Um, so uh, I think that there's a dual path. And, and I suspect what we'll end up with is uh, Huzu being available for uh, B2I for, for some folks uh, and where it makes more sense B2B for others. So um, that's how I see it panning out. Well, it, it's fantastic. And I can see the value proposition. And you know, for my money, based on my experience, I would sign up in a heartbeat just because you know, <laughs> I, I want to find people and I want to be found. And, you know, as we go and, and the speed of change gets ever faster, not only for businesses, but for individuals, uh, we need something like this. And you know, LinkedIn, uh, as great of a tool as it's been, uh, does not do what you're talking about. So I can see a clear distinction uh, there. Um, as we start to wrap up, uh, any closing comments, anything you want to share about you know, Huzu or, or uh, more specifically, just the, you know, the future of work and how you know, learning and activity are, are going to drive it? I mean, any final th- closing thoughts? Uh, I'm going to try and be succinct, but that's the, the, I, I feel a zillion answers <laughs> swelling up in me. Um, right. I, think, um, I think the number one thing to think about is uh, is uh, to not be, to not, as we look at problems, right, as we look at pain, let's not be rooted in or let's not be constrained by what we did in the past, right? I think the most powerful uh, thing that all of us can do is, is, is try and look at things with new eyes and, and try and imagine, you know, what would brilliant look like uh, and see if we can strive for that. Well, that's where you and I align well among many other areas because uh, yeah, I constantly challenge those that I work with. What does awesome look like? And let's build towards that. <laughs> and it right. sounds like you, you're talking about the same thing because this the idea of incremental change, uh, you know, it just uh, it doesn't move fast enough. Correct me if I'm wrong. Would you agree? 
Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So, well, Simon, always fantastic talking with you. I mean, your energy is obvious and uh, your vision is fantastic. And I wish you the best uh, on your journey. And I look forward to seeing you in February at People Analytics and Future of Work here in San Francisco. You're going to be there, yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much for your time out. And I look forward to seeing you then. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Thank you much. Thanks for joining the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the Global People Analytics Network, please visit us at globalpeopleanalytics.net.